Welcome to it. It's the holiday edition of the Triple Play Podcast. Uh, Jabba Chamberlain, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Fellas, uh, apparently the Dodgers are on the, the nice list from now until eternity. Good to see everyone. Did, did Santa visit each household? I keep getting cold, but that's just me. Yeah, there was. I think I didn't. I, I got a couple things of charcoal and a couple things of candy. So I don't know if it was. I think I was a tweener this year. So no like, lighter fluid. No lighter no, fluid. No, I'll take it. I'll take it. That's why I was like, oh, if we got a if we got a spark to that thing, then I then I know what side I was on. But no, I I think I was on I was on a tweener list. Elijah, good uh, or 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 naughty list. God, the only thing I asked for a six pack of beer underneath the tree. So that took uh, took care of Christmas for me. And uh, other than that, just got to enjoy some uh, time with family and friends, and that's what's really important about it. So uh, I had a really really lovely Christmas, and now we're uh, we're back into the the melee of sports. The you and I bowl season, MLB free agency, still a couple big names on the board, but the dominoes have fallen. It's it's uh, I guess it's another week in the American sports news cycle, and I'm happy about it. It's, it's a good time of year. No, absolutely. We invite you to follow us and uh, check out the podcast with Herd Ad Sports. YouTube is where you go to watch the video portion of Triple Play Podcast. The Trip Pod at the Trip Pod is where you go on Twitter or X. You can also follow Jabba as he's got some live videos he posts from time to time. And uh, we invite you to check it out. Tell a friend if you love baseball. Uh, from a uh, World Series champ and Husker standout Hall of Famer perspective, not me or Elijah, <laughs> but uh, but Jabba. So I want to just throw this out there. We'll get into Otani. We'll get into Yamamoto, but I want to I want to start with Joe Kelly and Joe Kelly's wife getting a solid done by Otani as uh, Mama got the new Porsche. Uh, that is. Pretty classy of Otani, but Jabba, you've seen this for years of teammates and free agents. Somebody's got to have a certain number. And what's what's the, the biggest payout, best trade? Uh, does this new Porsche make the top five in your mind as far as getting permission to, to wear 17? I mean, I've I've seen some good ones with guys that came over, but when that came out, I mean, I I wouldn't even say top five. That's that's number one in in my experiences of numbers. You know, I've heard, you know, ten grand, five grand, you know, nice bottle of scotch or something like that. But when they posted the picture, and I was like, oh, a Porsche. Um, all right, I guess that's. That's what you do when uh, I guess you're the unicorn of all of baseball and and just make yourself even look cooler and and <laughs> I mean a, a great gesture obviously uh, pro- unwarranted but you know the respect factor and things like that so it, it was when that came out I was just like that I've seen a lot but I, I can't say I've seen a car given for a number so that's uh, that takes the cake for me. Well, we know that money won't be an issue for Shohei moving forward. Like a, a car, that's that's chump change after that contract he just got. And I know, I guess he's not going to see most of that money for twenty years now, but he's got his endorsements to live off of, and even a couple million dollars a year from the Dodgers is still uh, that's uh, that's still a little something to line your pockets. 
he probably needed a write-off. And so that, that made the most sense. <laughs> so it was the end of the year. You know, you've got to write something off at the end of the year. So he probably was like, oh, this makes sense. And it looks good for everybody. But yeah, it was, I mean, super cool. And I, he just seems just from everything you see from afar and, and the things that he's done is just, just seems like a genuine human that wants to win. And obviously the way he restructured his contract and the things that he did shows that he wants to win and, you know, being able to, you know, have, have a guy come in and, and have that comfort level of knowing that he has had a teammate before in the WBC and Yamamoto and to make him feel comfortable and be successful and give them a chance to win. I mean, we can just might as well go into the Dodgers at this point because it's, you know, they're 1.5 billion in right now. So you might as well, do you continue to go all in? Do you, uh, you know, as we were talking earlier off camera and it's like, do you bring a Kershaw back? What do you, you know, do you, do you make another splash? Is there they're even asking that question tells you how set up they are. And I, I know they've, they've won it. But they're one of those teams, along like Jabba R, 1990s Braves, that feels like they, they should have had more, right? And, and this is, well, A, it tells you how hard it is to win a championship. B, um, yeah, they're, they're not done spending uh, with just making it flawless or, or flaw-proof. Uh, you still got to go play the game. You still got to go execute. You still got to throw strikes, all that good stuff. But Elijah, you brought up the question that's arm wrestling people right now around the sports world is the super team factor. And you've seen it for the NBA for years. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. Uh, you've seen it through the draft and free agency in the NFL. You think of the, the Cowboys and the triplets. Well, now you have the, the mother of all super teams with the Dodgers and is it good for baseball? It's good in my humble opinion, in a sense that they're going to be must see TV this first season with, with all their additions. We'll get in job at your takes here specifically on both additions here in, in a moment, but are you going to both be checking out the Dodgers? Are you going to go get MLB package, assuming they're not on prime time on a Monday night or Sunday night all the time or a Saturday I, I, you know, with, with the TV contracts the way they are, I'm I'm intrigued, and and I always kind of got a kick out of watching the Dodgers either fall short, I don't hate them, or just see if they're as as good as advertised. And I'm okay with this because you've got the, the freak show factor right now. But can they build a dynasty? Can you just flat out blank check a dynasty? That seems to be what they're trying to do. You're muted, bud. You look at their lineup, they, they look to be a team that I think you can easily forecast at 100 wins a season. I know you can't play baseball on paper like that, but with the, the star power they have, you look at that and go, that's a 100-win team. You're in, you're out. So that's what type of star power we're talking. And like, Dodgers are playing in Kansas City. I'm going to go look at the ticket prices. Dodgers are playing in Denver. I'm going to see about making a trip out to Denver to go see the Dodgers. But we're at that point with what this team could be. Like, yeah, I want to go see Shohei. Yeah, I want to go see Yamamoto. And as we record this podcast, we're – about an hour and a half away from Yamamoto being officially announced with the Dodgers. So by the time we're uh, uh, you're listening to this podcast, Yamamoto has been announced and that's been 
put pins and put to paper, sign on the dotted line. So uh, I think I'm comfortable enough saying that right now with all the reports out there. But you look at the team, looks like a 100-win team, and there's been the conversation for years in baseball. How do we bring the fans back? How do we make the fans interested? Is it a pitch clock? Is it this? Is it that? I mean, there's been that question floating around for so long, and it could be as simple as, you know what? There's just a team out there on the West Coast in a major market that is must-see TV whenever Yamamoto is on the mound, when Shohei's at the dish. Like, just that element of what this could be for baseball, I think, is really exciting, despite the fact that I'm uh, I'm not going to be too enthused whenever the, the postseason rolls around. I mean, you know, the Dodgers are going to be expecting to make it to a World Series. I guess that's the, the beauty of baseball is that it's so hard to make it to a World Series. It's so hard to win a World Series. But uh, you know that this Dodgers team is going to be an absolute wagon for the next couple of seasons. And I think that is exciting for baseball, that there will be a team that the national media wants to talk about again, because it's in LA and there's so many uh, media companies out in LA that are going to focus on the Dodgers. National media is going to want to talk about baseball. And I think that's a good thing for the sport in the long term, despite the fact that it might take away a little intrigue, especially as a, a guy who grew up a Rockies fan in the NL West, not going to be much intrigue for the Rockies. They're going to get their ass kicked by the Dodgers every single year. That's okay. Cause I think it's good for the sport in the long run. Yeah, I mean it's it it I, I look at it in in that way too, but I also think to your point, Elijah, I think it it grows the game because now you're you're not talking about and, and we're forgetting about stars like Mookie Betts and Freddie oh, Freeman yeah. that are still on the team and guys like that 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 have you know grown the game and 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 obviously one of Otani's old teammates and Mike Trout and so you forget about that team, and when you say build a super team, and, and that I think what is what is special, and I, I've been fortunate enough to play with guys that are global. They're just not in the states, and they they've had an opportunity where now it's it becomes that that part of it where now you've got kids that are in the Midwest that usually don't get to see the Dodgers because they're obviously not on national TV a lot. They they just they're just not. I mean, I loved coming home after games when Vin Scully was on and just listening to a Dodgers game. I mean, that was that was something that I loved. And you know, now it's it's a West Coast game. You it's the only one on. You got to catch it and you see what it is, but I think when you look at it, I, I think it's it's great for baseball because it, it it's going to it's going to go one way or the other. And I've been part of something in a crazy off season when we signed three, three dudes for over a hundred. I think it was over it. What, I mean, for that time when it happened, but then when you talk about creating a dynasty and what it is, we won one and they haven't won since. So like you said, it's not played on paper, but they're going to be fun to watch. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting because it's going to be, you know, when, Literally, the Padres loaded up when they had their guys. And you look at what happened. They haven't won. So it, it they're obviously on paper, like you said, a 100-win team at least. But you also don't play this game on paper. And seeing this, guys, and seeing the adjustments and, you know, obviously Yamamoto come into in a full different experience. It's different pitching here than it is, you know, in Japan. I mean, he's obviously pitched against talent here in the WBC, but when it comes down to it, it's a it's a different animal when you're playing 200 games because people forget we play 162, but 
there's 40 in spring training too, and you're getting starts there too. So it is a complete different thing. And do I think it's great because it's creating buzz and, you know, there, there are teams that have made moves this year where they have been, you know, big moves and there's still some other big names out there. I mean, could you imagine if like a Josh Hader ends up going to the Dodgers? Like then you're just like, okay, these dudes are not playing. Like they are not <laughs> playing. So it'll be interesting. There's some, there's some big, big names out for relievers. There's still a couple big starters and there's, you know, some mid tier people that I think can make some big differences, but I think it's great for baseball because it's, it's creating buzz and it's going to hopefully get people more interested because it's such a different dynamic of baseball now with the things that they're doing. Java, let me, let me ask you the question. What's it like to deal with those fan expectations early in the season? Cause like you and I both just laid it out expecting a hundred win season. You're expecting a team that's going to ride to the world series. What is it like early in a season before that 162 game grind? You're just getting into it, dealing with those expectations because this team's probably going to have a little bit of, of meshing to do as the, the season goes on. They're not going to be a, a, a finished product uh, in, in game one of 162. What is that that expectation like dealing with that whenever you show up for opening day? Yeah, it's I mean, it's funny, like going back and trying to reflect on, you know, the offseason we had in 08 signing AJ, CC, Swish, Teixeira. And we I mean, we got off to a slow start and you're just like, shit, like, okay, what, what is going on here? And then, you know, it comes together and, you know, you like we had Hideki Matsui. I mean, you know, so you had different cultures. You had guys that were there before and obviously Posada and G and those guys. So you had a mesh of things and it's spring training is to get to know each other and feel each other out. And like I said, it, the expectation of going in, getting those guys, we're opening a new stadium. So you add that on top of it. It was, it was in the moment, you didn't really think it was a lot. But then like looking back, I was like, it felt like you're pressing a little bit just because it's like, okay, we've got, you know, we got to get off to a good start. If we don't, then, you know, then it, it comes down to everything of answering the questions. We're not like football where we get to pick our days to talk to the media. It's every day. And even if you're not, even if you didn't participate in the game, if you're sitting at your locker, somebody can come up to you. So I, I think too, it's the expectations. And obviously the expectations are bigger for yourself than anybody can ever put on you. But if you get off to a slow start, then questions start being asked. And, you know, it's just another added thing. And especially in that market, I think that plays a part as well. It's Java Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt, Triple Play podcast on Herdad Sports. And we're talking uh, some off-season moves. The Dodgers super team. Jobby, you talked about the buzz. Elijah, you touched on the paper factor uh, and the reality. And it sounds like more times than not, and it can be different per team, but it is about maybe pressing versus personalities, right? I mean, you're going to assign the best talent you can with the checkbook you have. And as a professional, you're supposed to get along and kind of go along and, and it works out. You have one goal in mind. That's nice to say, but sometimes personality or different personalities in the clubhouse can, can be a problem. 
not just the the internal factor of trying to do too much too soon to live up to the hype. Yeah, I think with what they have, and I think, and 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 I hate to I hate to always be that guy, but you know, it's just trying to understand like that aspect of like paper and personality, right? Those two things is. I look at it when you you bring in all of these star talent, and we're not even talking about the 138 million that they signed Tyler Glass now to. <laughs> like yeah. we haven't even mentioned that because that's a foregone figure, and and that's it, it shouldn't be obviously. But when you have guys like Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, they just signed Jason Hayward back. Like when you have established guys that understand it. And I think that's that's part of the paper versus personality is if you, if you got both of them, I think you, you don't press. And if you want to say the three P's, because if you get two out of the three, then you're good and you don't have to worry about the third one. So I, I think the way they've shaped it up, I mean, I think they still need some bullpen help, mm-hmm. um, but it, it's – it's going to be fun to watch. I they they're going to be I I hate to say it like this, but it's going to be must-see games when Yamamoto pitches. Sure. I mean it's 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 going to be I mean, I'll be the first person to admit I've watched some clips from his bullpens and watched him and I'm like I want to see how it translates. I want to see how the pitch clock affects him. I want to see you know just the different aspects of the game. The balls are different, and I think there's just so many dynamics. But to Elijah's point, I think it's great for baseball because now you're going to have more eyes just to see, and I think not only on a baseball fan perspective, but on a global perspective to to see. And they've got another pitcher in Matsui that they're waiting to sign. And so, you know, I think the, the game is growing drastically and more ways than one and and i think this is this is great for it to continue to grow to get the younger generation interested and you know personalities come out and they've allowed that more and you know the chains and you know the shoes and the stuff that kids like and i I mean it's just that's the way it is and it wasn't like that when i came up and it's and and i love to see it because you are getting the younger generation involved because it's, I, it's the, it's the cool factor, I guess, of kind of a better way to say it, swag, drip, whatever you want to say, like it, that's just the way it is. And I think it's just great all the way around. And some people are like, Oh, you're buying championships. Well, shit, you still got to win. Doesn't matter. You still got to go out and win. I don't care. Let's go through Yamamoto's talent and pitcher to pitcher what do you see uh from him that well makes you smile and and may make a batter or two piss themselves well i mean the videos and stuff that is going back and looking at like his arm is so fast like and they just went through like how he took away his leg kick and and it just watching how he if you watch most power pitchers, they get hyperextended on their front side. Mm-hmm. And, like, his arm is so quick in the aspect of, like, I mean, he's almost, like, inverted hyperextension. Like, there is so much torque 
through his hips and how fast his arm works. And it's just like when you can hear a ball come out of somebody's hand on a video, you're just like, all right, dude. Yeah, whatever. Sure. Good luck. Go get them. I don't there's shit I can say. Um, but yeah, it's just like I said, it'll be so interesting to see how it translates with the pitch clock and things like that. But just the videos and going back and looking at old WBC clips and stuff, it, it's it's exciting to see. And shit, he's only 25 years old. I mean, he just got nut hair like three years ago. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's impressive to see and the things things that he's done over there and and you know all their translation of Cy Youngs and and to do it at such a young age and be consistent and do it for so long early. I mean, because the talent over there is 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 great talent too. Because obviously we've seen it translate here. So yeah, it's it, it's pretty impressive. I mean, and the, the number one thing that stands out to me about his, his motion is just there is no wasted motion in his delivery. It's smooth as butter. And as you, you mentioned the arm speed, the best thing I can compare it to is his arm comes around like a bullwhip. Like it's just, he's got all the momentum from his lower half and his arm is just, it almost feels like getting that, that final whip to the ball. That's how fast it's coming around. It, it's entrancing to watch his delivery and job. As I said, yeah, yeah. Stop to make it translate, but he strikes me as a guy with how he throws the ball that can go as a power pitcher deeper into starts than a lot of other power pitchers. That's what, what makes him unique. You, you talk about these complete game, no hitters that he's been throwing over in Japan. Like he's got that kind of delivery that doesn't seem like it's going to put a whole bunch of strain onto his arm as he gets late into a start. He, he's probably going to lose some, some numbers off his, uh, off his miles per hour, obviously as he's delivering the ball, but it just seems like, emotion that is so sustainable that it's it's all lower half and it just feels like his his arm is the the whip that's delivering the power as opposed to some guys who are really really trying to throw it it doesn't feel like he's trying to throw it it's like just like a a, a smooth motion I don't know how to describe it. I'm not a pitcher so I, I can't speak to that specifically but everything about his delivery is just smooth yeah Java, I mean, go ahead no no it was it was gonna shift it back but finish up on uh, on on the, the delivery and the the mechanics part, and I'll I'll get to uh, to to your super team in 09 in a second. Well, no, I just going back and and just reading things, and you know, obviously you hear about him and you see it, and then but just going and like just learn, you know, why he took away certain things, and that was basically it was to keep it simple, where he could, you know, it's a repeatable delivery. And that's, I mean, that's the hardest thing. Like we, you know, we all fall into bad habits and, and certain things at times, but from what I've read and what I've heard from, you know, sources of mine is just like, you know, he wanted to minimize his delivery so he could repeat it and be successful. Well, shit, we've, <laughs> we've seen it. You got your 325. So enjoy your $50 million signing bonus and uh, enjoy your dinners in LA and we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. What was the clubhouse like? How did Jeter handle it as the captain when we talk about the additions New York made 08 to 09 with, with um, CeCe and Teixeira, Swisher, AJ? You mentioned that that core group that helped spurn a championship on. Tell me about the dynamics, man. Take me in the clubhouse, just the camaraderie, the chemistry, and then obviously the the output you guys won 
Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was it was an interesting offseason in general because we didn't make the playoffs in 08. And you're obviously closing down old Yankee Stadium. So obviously a letdown. And I and I feel like that's that's kind of the feeling going through and, and talking to Yankee fans throughout the throughout the year where they're like, they have to do something. Obviously, they made a move with getting Juan Soto. I think the most underrated that nobody really talks about, and I mean, other than Yankee fans, Trent Grisham for that team is going to be humongous because he can play all, all positions, and we know somebody's going to get hurt. That's just the way it is, and he can play all three, and, and, and he's a great outfielder, and I think it's a huge part of that. Yeah, they lost some pitching, but they got some young guys coming up that have a chance to be good. But as far as the dynamic, it was you bring in a personality like CC. You got a guy like Tex that just is it goes about his business, and then you got an energy like Swish that comes in, and then you got AJ who is AJ. I love him to death, and. So it was four different dynamics that came in with with the stability of Swish in the energy. And then you have Derek, who's the captain. And then you have Posada, who's the staple behind the plate. And you've got young energy with Cervelli. And, you know, it was just there were so many, like we talked about earlier, like the personalities, like once once they all like understand each other, because like I said, spring training's a little different because you stay for three innings, you stay for four innings, then you're gone. But now it's like the season gets there and you start gelling and you see these things. And so I, I just think the dynamic of the acceptance of guys coming in, because obviously you're not you're not paying them chump change. So they've obviously earned it. We've all competed against each other at that point. So it was Obviously, my own, it was my third year, so, you know, I'd only competed against these guys a couple times. And But being a baseball fan, I saw it from afar. And, you know, just CC in the aspect of changing, changing the climate of a clubhouse and, you know, just the things that he did and – it it just all worked together. It was it was fun to be around. You had some young guys, obviously, that played a part. You had the veterans that came in. You had the free agents. I mean, it was it's star power in in the aspect of what you already had there, but then what you brought in, and you know, just those things. And then obviously, you have the guy that held it together, and Andy Pettit, and you have that aspect and to reference going back, that's why I think the Dodgers bring back Kershaw because, you know, he's, he's the, he's the glue that can hold it together because he's been there. He's, he's done it for a long time. And so I, I, the comparables are very similar to me. And I think they all kind of have the same dynamics because they all have those certain types of pieces. And so it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun season. I'm like as this off season is shaping up and there's 90, 92 days till opening day. Thanks that's that's a baseball reference on Twitter. Thank you for that update every time I get to check it. So shout out to baseball reference. And so I, I'm just I'm really looking forward to 
the things that happen still. I mean, there's a lot of big names out there that are still on the board. And uh, it's just it's shaping up to be a really, really exciting baseball season. And we'll get into that in, in two seconds. But Java, in the next 92 days, make it through spring training. You talk about this star power in the clubhouse for the Dodgers. And obviously there's other teams that that also have new faces, but the Dodgers are going to be the ones that get all the attention right now. Is there an element to these superstars going into a clubhouse and, and earning their stripes? Is the, the clubhouse have to adjust to the stars? How does that behind the scenes process work in your opinion, just in terms of not only these guys coming in and earning respect from the clubhouse, but the clubhouse coming in and, and earning respect from the stars? I think it's both. And then it's uh and then the next thing is like, well, if I'm a young kid, shit, I ain't got to worry about paying for dinner. I got all kinds of options if we go to dinner. <laughs> then it's like, who's pulling out their wallet first? Cause you got a bunch of them that can do it. But no, I think it's I think it's different in in that aspect of the Dodgers with with guys because a couple you competed against Yamamoto, obviously you're going to get to know. So I think that's, that's a little bit of a different dynamic, but once you play with these guys and they earn that respect, obviously the contract speaks for itself and you competed against these guys. And it's a mutual respect as far as professionalism, right? But to your point, it's like, I wouldn't say earning your strikes, but it's just like now sometimes you build a rapport and then it becomes deeper than just a teammate. And then it's like, hey, let's go get dinner. Hey, it's, you know, we're having a birthday party and it just it all translates. And that's that's one thing that that I loved about our team in 09 is like it turned into a huge family, like everybody coming together and you know, birthday parties, 4th of July, like just certain things. And I think that's the part that is earned where you, you, you have the respect already for these guys and you understand it, but coming in, like, I mean, I played with Kevin Euclid and yeah, he was a good player, but he's a piece of shit as a person. So that's just, I mean, what it is. I mean, me personally, I mean, he could be great to other people, but it's just sometimes you you just click with people. Sometimes you don't. That doesn't mean they're not a great baseball player, and you want them on and you want them on your team. So I think as far as that goes, it's the professional respect of the fact that you've earned it. But now it becomes deeper than that because talent doesn't always win World Series. Unity and continuity and the trust and the love and the faith in one another I think is a huge part and and that's that's why I felt like we won in 09 now chemistry is so important that gets you across the home plate that gets you across the goal line because the talent's there to your point Jabba Chamberlain Elijah Herbal Chris Schmidt triple play podcast with her dad sports offseason baseball buddy on the Dodgers want to shift to Kershaw if you're a betting man does he go home to Texas? You've got the uh, remaining aces on the Dodgers saying, don't go. We want you here, bro. And Kershaw has been so much fun to watch. His career, he has been exquisite in the regular season. I know postseason's not been at the same level, and that's always been a mystery to me. And 
so many other baseball fans. But if you're betting, does Kershaw say, all right, this uh, this ain't my team anymore. I'm going to go home to Texas. I mean, that's uh, that's tough. I mean, that's his home, too. I mean, he's been there yeah. since he's been 20 years old. So, I mean, he's almost he's almost been in L.A. just as long as he was in in Houston or the Woodlands. I think that's where he's from, the Woodlands. Um, yeah, I, I if it's me and I'm in his position, he's already made his money. And now now he can go and think do like a an Adam Wainwright deal where it's one for you know five or six and just be a be a part of the staff. You know, you you're gonna you're gonna be Clayton Kershaw always. You're gonna be a Hall of Famer. It's gonna happen. But now you've got such a media drawing to everyone else, and he's obviously been you know, in the in the clubhouse with, you know, Mookie and Freddie and all those guys. And so, like, it's nothing new to him, but I feel like if it's me in that situation, I end my career in one uniform mm. and ride the wave with, with what's going on right now. Because like, it would it's going to be fun to see from afar. I could only imagine <laughs> – what it's going to be like being there every day with it and just the conglomerate of media, not only nationally wise here, but globally from Japan and everywhere else. So it, I would, I mean, shit, I'll fold towels. I'll go be a clubby just to see it up front if they need one. <laughs> well, and there, there's something special to being a, a club legend, which is what, Kershaw's got the opportunity to do if, if you're a, I mean, in modern baseball, being a one team guy and all the accolades he's gotten there to cap it off and be the elder statesman with this group, uh, a group that we've talked about it playing the podcast has more buzz than maybe any Dodgers team ever. And there's been some really, really good Dodgers teams with a lot of buzz, but where they're at right now, Dodger stadium, this upcoming spring and summer might be more electric than we've ever seen it before. And I, I don't mean to be hyperbolic, but it's, it's that kind of star power within this team. There is something special to being a guy that's been around. Everybody in, in L.A. knows Clayton Kershaw. He's he's a legend at this point already. To stick around and to, to write your name in the, the history of Dodger baseball by being a guy that's just been a Dodger, by being a guy that's a World Series champ looking for a couple more. I mean, three-time Cy Young Award winner, I think. Uh, 10- or 11-time All-Star. Like, to cap off your career being with this team, being the elder statesman, being a team guy, maybe taking a team-friendly contract to go out and win. There's an element to that in terms of the legacy that I don't think you can quantify in dollars and cents and what a contract looks like. No, and I think, and knowing Clayton and the type of person he is, I, I think that's that's the important part. And the only, that's the only other team that I've heard. And I, I don't honestly think that he's, Going to, I think he, to your point, I think he is, he'll take a team friendly because he's, he's obviously made his money and he never was a money guy. He never, he, you know, he just wanted to, to pitch and go out and do his thing. And he's a competitor. And, you know, I think having that legacy of, of being a one uniform guy, that's, I mean, think about it. I can, him, you got Derek. George Brett. 
George Brett, Chipper Jones, like, I mean, there's more obviously, but I mean, you got greats like Ken Griffey and, you know, it's where the, where they wore different, different uniforms and not saying that takes away from anything because they're obviously still legends and they're still hall of famers, but to be with one organization and, and be that type of player and the impact that you had, not only on the organization, but your community and, and everything around it and, and, and what Clayton has done. I mean, I think it's a no brainer. You go back there. I mean, you have an opportunity with probably two good seasons to take the record for most wins by a Dodgers pitcher. It's currently held by Don Sutton at 233. Kershaw's at 210. You can go take that record for yourself. You already have uh, the, uh, the 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 leading war for pitchers among Dodgers. So the wins above replacement, you already hold that one. Go get yourself the wins, strikeouts. I mean, innings pitched. There, there's opportunities that you can go write your name in the, uh, the Dodgers record book. And I, I just think that is worth so much more, especially with the, the wins and the championships that could come with this core. I think that's worth so much more than dollars and cents. We, you know, Java, could we see a, a, a different Kershaw when it gets to postseason? I ask this because it, it's been him getting that game one or game four ball or game seven ball throughout his career because of who he is and what he's done during the regular season. You go with your best. Now, there's going to be some some help on the heavy lift, <laughs> clearly, with uh, these additions uh, to the pitching staff, to the team in general. Does that maybe put such a fierce competitor that clearly has probably tried a little too hard or, or, or felt the, the moment too much in postseason? Could we see a, a different, more relaxed, but completely dominant Kershaw? Could we see that regular season effectiveness finally translate consistency wise to the postseason. Yeah. I think it, it becomes like such a mental game because I mean, that's obviously, I mean, if you ask him, he's probably like, yeah, I'm I'm not what I want to be in the postseason. And there's, you know, there's some guys that are okay in the regular season and then they get to the postseason and it, and they just go off. It's just, it's weird how it works. And, but I think with, with everything that they've brought in, I think there's, he can take a deep breath instead of like feeling it's fourth. And, and you know what, it might be, you might be down Oh two and he has to pitch game three and it, it could happen, but he's also been there. He understands it. But I think with the precedent of what, what they've brought in and kind of, the angle they're going, I mean, he's still effective. We've seen it, and we know he can do it. I, I think it would take a little bit of that off. Obviously, you get to the postseason, every game is big. Mm-hmm. But I think it would take a little bit off of him knowing that it's like, okay, it's not all on me. Like, let's – you know what? Let's do this collectively. And I think it would a little bit. But still, when it comes down to it, the postseason is a different animal, and – and, and it, it will either eat you up and spit you out or you thrive and you go. But I think it would help having, you know, having what he has around him now because they might score 58 runs a game. I mean, that's just, that's just the way it is. 
It's uh, Chris Schmidt, Java Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, the Triple Play Podcast here. And Java, as we wrap it down, we got to talk about the Yankees. Where did they go from here this offseason? Because remember, we were talking about it a couple of weeks ago. It's a big offseason for the Yankees. They've swung big. They've missed big. Where do they go here this offseason? And what's your your outlook as it currently stands for their 2024 season? Is there anything they can do to, I don't want to say save an offseason? Because with the Yankees, they still have a lot of talent on that team. But where do they go from here? I think they make another move. I mean, obviously bringing in Soto is huge. And then you got Trent Grisham. They obviously lost some pitching, like I said earlier. You're going to have some young kids step up and and battle for that. I would like to see him get get a couple more arms. Um, there's there's some good ones out there. I I don't foresee Jordan Montgomery coming back um, unless it's a crazy offer. Um, and I think there's there's a couple more pieces. Um, they added some really really integral parts of of the success to what they do. But I think it's it's time for them to make make another move. I mean we you know we made their two two big ones, and then next thing you know they signed Tex, and that was kind of out of the blue. So I feel like if there's there's another big splash that they can make and it's there's there's some options out there and i think that's something that is needed for this team and just the the aspect of like okay we're we're ready to win let's let's go get this we we got this piece we got that piece okay let's go get one more big one and i i think they you got to make a move soon um you know just listening to shows and you know guys like John Paul Morosi and Ken Rosenthal and guys like that, that, you know, obviously are deeper embedded in the game than, than I am is the understanding. Like that's, that's kind of everybody's, I guess, common denominators. Like there's, there's one more big piece, but what piece is that? And I, I think just making a splash is just going to show that, you know, there's, there's an aspect of like, we want to win now because I don't care what you say. It Sometimes you get into whose balls are bigger with the Dodgers doing what they're doing, but you're the Yankees. So, you know, let's, let's go do something too. So I, I don't think they're done yet. I, I hope they're not because then it makes baseball more interesting because it gives us more shit to talk about. And it's more just the, like the battle of East coast, West coast. And it's, it'll be, like I said, it's just shaping up to be a fantastic baseball season. And I just don't think they're, I think they need to make a move soon though, just to, just to be like, okay, we're not done either. When you, when you get that, that pressure of a baseball arms race, you wonder, does a team spin big or does a team spin smart? Can they find a a way to hit that middle ground? Because spending big is not necessarily going to, make you a winner spending smart also not going to make you a winner. can you find that middle ground between going out making a splash getting the talent you need while also spending smart with your money and uh not screwing yourself over by by making a poor deal and going and overpaying for somebody that that becomes a real question to me with the yankees can they find that middle ground between making a splash keeping up in the arms race but not uh not being stupid with your money not going out and making a, a bad deal we've talked about locker room chemistry a lot here can you make sure you have your, your T's crossed, your I's dotted in terms of what type of player you're going to bring in if you do go make another move. 
Yeah, I think that's super important. And obviously with the guys out there is, you know, you got to make sure. And, you know, now that they're, you know, they're involving the players more in, in decisions that they're making, I think, you know, it's that that's something that is huge because now, you know, it's like, hey, do you think this would be a right fit? So that's between, you know, the smart and stupid part where that's the common ground of like, hey, you know, this is their, yeah, this is what we're paying for, but that's their clubhouse. That's their locker room. Like, would you think this is a good fit? So I think that is a huge part of it. But I think sometimes, even if he's a jackass, if he can help you win, so be it. But you know, not to a jackass where he's detrimental to to the chemistry of the team. But it's it's something where it's trying to find that balance. But sometimes it's like you got to go win, you got to go win. And I think, like you said, getting in this, you know, arms match of what whose is bigger. I I don't think the the Yankees are done yet. I think there'll be another. I wouldn't say super big one, but I'll I'll say there's probably going to be a big one. The right ingredients key, just looking at a number here, you've got 304. That's the on-base percentage. That was number 27. And you have uh, the Yanks from 93 through 2012. They were top three with, with on-base percentage as a team. And and right now you got Soto that's going to come in and, and, and help boost that for sure. Uh, you, you'd expect him to continue number-wise what he's been doing that said that that ingredient might be another another player that gets on base can help score some runs because you gave up a lot of your pitching depth to go more in on offense but 304 i mean when you hear that java and you're 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 a pitcher on the team you're like sweet god 304 is you know only just in front of the a's and the royals well yeah and you if you look at garrett cole and i mean he had I think seven games that he threw seven innings or more and gave up less than one run and didn't get a decision. And I mean, that's, that plays a part and it gets frustrating. I mean, I, I know Garrett is a competitor as well. Like it's like, what else can we do? Like, I can't, I can't do much else. So I think that's a part of it where, it's like you said that that ingredient. Where is it at? What direction are we going? I think obviously there's hundred pieces to the puzzle. You know what's what's the right one to, to get us to where we want to go and and have that opportunity and not be basically a 500 team as an 82 win team, right? So you know it's being 500 is is unacceptable to to everybody in new york or yankee fans as as we well know and so i i don't think that dynamic will will be as bad as i'm just saying dynamic as a record but yeah that's that's that ingredient where where do we find it where do we go is it a hitter is do we get another arm um do we think Rodon's obviously going to bounce back? Like, I mean, there's just, there's so many aspects to a season where, like you said, on paper, it's one thing, but to go out and, and do it, 
you never know what happens in spring training. Somebody gets hurt. This happens, you know, but you have other pieces that fall into place. That's why sometimes your biggest moves are the smartest moves. Like Elijah brought up smartest by not overspending, but then like you said, Schmitty of that right ingredient where something goes wrong or something happens. Now the smartest movie made was bringing in that mid tier, good clubhouse, mm-hmm. you know, consistent player where he adds value in more ways than one. So I think that's a huge part of, of every dynamic of a winning team. Jabba Chamberlain, Elijah Herbal, Chris Schmidt. Uh, that'll do it for the triple play podcast, the final edition, the holiday edition. And we'll be sure to see you in 2024 as we gear up for another season of Major League Baseball. And, of course, plenty with Nebraska baseball as Will Bolton Company are gearing uh, towards, uh, well, February will be here before we know it. We invite you to check us out on YouTube, the Triple Play Podcast with Herdant Sports, and give us a follow on Twitter, the Trip Play Pod. Jabba, Happy New Year, brother. We'll see you soon. Elijah, enjoy uh, sunny Arizona as you scout out uh, on location, right, for uh, spring trading. Chris Schmidt, we'll talk to you next time with the Triple Play Podcast.